I want to pause here just a minute and recognize a couple of folks. Um, if you're not aware, South Brunswick Magazine publishes an edition that shows the future 10, that is 10 leaders under 40 uh, in our county. And we are very privileged and blessed that Devin and Drew Sellers were included in this issue. Congratulations for that. I appreciate that. Yeah, go ahead. I uh, just want to let you know how much we appreciate your leadership in the county. Now, I did notice in reading the article, I noticed those articles, those interviews are heavily edited, and I, I realized that they took out the part where you said your pastor inspired you to, to greater things. I understand that. I, you can't put everything in there. But Now, I also want to let you know, um, South Brunswick Magazine has published that particular feature for 10 years, okay? Okay. Uh, 10 to follow, 10 future 10 uh, leaders under 40 in Brunswick County. They've been doing that for 10 years. In those 10 years, no less than 10 of our folks at First Baptist have been featured. Yeah, that's right. And I want to express that it's both a privilege, uh, and we are so proud that we, we know folks, leaders, Christian leaders in our church, you are influencing those, and they are influencing you and influencing our county, and we're very privileged that God has put us in a position to produce leaders in our, in our county, in our state, and maybe even in our nation, and we, we don't take that for granted. Uh, leadership always makes an impact. Christian leadership can change the world. Uh, and often does. You're probably aware right now at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, there is a revival going on at the university. It started this past Wednesday when students came for what was supposed to be a regular chapel service and did not leave. And they're busing in students from other campuses. The Holy Spirit has fallen. Wildfire has taken hold. Students are praying at the altar. Uh, preachers are preaching. They're praying for one another. Real revival has broken out. What's fascinating is this is not only not the first time at Asbury, this has happened. It's the third time. It happened in 1950. It happened in 1970, all starting with students who yielded themselves to God, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of them. Revival broke out. My alma mater, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, was greatly influenced by the 1970 awakening and revival that took place at Asbury. And that's why when Kim and I went to Southwestern, it was still the largest and most influential evangelical seminary in the world. Uh, people were flocking to study God's word and to grow in God's word and to experience a movement of God, and they're still doing that. Pray for those students. God, I believe this is how God, if America is going to turn back to God, this is how it's going to happen. It's going to be young leaders. It's going to be young people raising their children in Christ. It's going to be young students graduating from colleges and universities and in, in turn becoming teachers, leaders, and professors across our nation. So we praise God for what he's doing. Uh, young leaders have always had an impact, and when they're Christians, they can change the world. I don't know if you've ever heard of William Nibb. Uh, William Nibb was a resident of New Hampshire, uh, came to faith in Christ in 1822. He was a young man, and God called William Nibb into ministry to be a missionary and a pastor in Jamaica. So God took him and actually a friend of his to Jamaica where they would be missionaries and they would be pastors. And that was at the same time 
that abolitionism was rolling across the country and the UK had abolished slavery and it was impacting Jamaica. But not wholly impacting Jamaica the way that it should. And William Nibb became a leader along with his Baptist uh, colleague who was a pastor also became a, uh, a leader in uh, emancipation and the abolitionist movement in Jamaica. And uh, finally, uh, Jamaica abolished slavery, or at least so they said. And what authorities actually did is they tweaked the language in their documents so that slaves, instead of being set free, would become apprentices to the landowners. In other words, they stayed slaves just by a different name. This set William Nibb even more on fire for abolition and for emancipation of the slaves, for the freedom of all humanity. Uh, and he spearheaded, continued spearheading that movement. His Baptist friend was actually executed as part of that movement. Uh, but William Nibb, who, he went to prison and they released him. He was persecuted and released again. He did not give up. And in 1838, the government finally gave in and they erased the apprenticeship, apprenticeship program. The language took it out of the government altogether and acknowledged that slaves were free. And July 31st, 1838, at midnight, when that action became a legal uh, fact in Jamaica, William Nibb gathered around with other abolitionists, with, other, with slaves who would be set free, with other Christians and missionaries and pastors throughout Jamaica. They built a giant coffin, and at midnight, July 31st, 1838, they threw uh, shackles, Slavery papers, handcuffs, whips, all the symbols of slavery they threw into that coffin. They slammed it shut, they locked it, and they buried it as the clock turned from midnight to 1 a.m. when the law took effect that slaves were free in Jamaica. And William Nibb shouted above the crowd, finally the monster has been buried and is dead. He was 35 years old when he spearheaded abolition in Jamaica. Young leaders make an impact. Christian leaders change the world. Change the world. And we're reminded in that story that it's the cross of Christ that set us free. It's as if the world shouted, as Christ shouted, God shouted, the monster of sin and death is dead. When Jesus rose from the grave. And when you trust Christ, you are set free. We started a message series last week to talk about that. And last week we asked and answered the question, what does it mean to be free in Christ? As Jesus himself says, if the Son will set you free, you will be really, really free. And we talked about what that means Last week, becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, being spiritually set free from sin and death. And today and moving forward, we're going to see how the Bible applies that to our lives. Areas in our lives that often we forget or maybe don't understand that Christ has set us free. That when we are, when we are free in Christ, dead to, the, to, to this world, we are free in Christ, alive through his resurrection we are set free in so many areas of our lives. Sad truth is, even many Christians don't realize we can live free in these areas. That this is what Christ has given us. This is the gift of grace 
He has given us. And today we'll consider this, that Christ has set us free from the strain of our struggles, uh, from the burdens of our soul, from the pressure of carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. You might come in here this morning and that's where you find yourself. You feel like you're carrying the weight of the world, all the burdens, all the struggles in your life. You feel like you have to solve all your problems and you wonder, why this is supposed to be Christianity. Why don't I feel very free? Because you're weighed down by the strain of your struggles and the burdens of your life. But Jesus said, come to me and I will set you free. Look at this passage of scripture with me. Matthew chapter 11. In your Bible, over in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 11. Find verse 28. You'll recognize this passage. It's very well known, very famous, especially if you're a Christian, been a Christian or in church very long, you'll recognize this passage. But let me put it in context for a moment. Uh, in this passage of scripture, when Jesus says the words we're going to read, he is talking to people around him that would become followers of Christ. They're, they're trying to, to, to determine if they will follow Jesus. And there are religious leaders on the fringe who are against him. So this passage of scripture is actually designed to contrast following Christ and have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, contrast a relationship with Christ with the religion imposed on people through the legalists and religious leaders of their day. Not much different than what we experience with religion. Because often we think religion is the way to be free. But the Bible teaches religion actually ensnares us. It burdens us even more. If, you are, if you're a churchgoer, uh, you're, you're dedicated to religion, I'm glad you're in church, but you need to understand religion doesn't set you free. Christ sets you free. Being religious is an expression of your freedom in Christ. It doesn't set you free. In fact, if all you are is religious, you are bound to religion and legalism. But if you know Christ as your Savior and He has set you free, you will come to understand in your freedom the joy of worship, the joy of serving, the joy of following Christ. That's the contrast Jesus is making in this passage we're going to read. It's the difference between a call to come and be religious and a call to come and follow Christ. Look at this with me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's not hard to see the pivotal term in there is rest. You will find rest for your souls. You're burdened, you're weary, you're weighted down by the strain of your struggle and the burdens of life. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Let's pause on that word just a minute. The term translated rest in this passage has its roots way back through the Bible, even into the Old Testament. Uh, even back to that word where we are told that God rested on the seventh day. See, God wasn't tired. That's not why he rested. The term translated in the book of Genesis that God rested gives us our word Sabbath. It's, it means God ceased. God's, God intentionally stopped. And the Bible tells us he did so to reflect on the goodness of his creation, the design of the world that he had just created. He paused and appreciated and therefore, that day, that rest day, is a holy day. And believers are called upon to pause now on Sunday, since Christ rose from the grave on the first day of the week, Sunday, we are called to pause, to cease, to call it a holy day, to appreciate the, the, the work of the week, 
and to rest in the presence of our God. Jesus is looking back to that idea, to the Sabbath rest. It's the idea that when we come to Christ with the burdens and the strains and the struggles that we have, we come to Him to find rest. We come to Him to find relief. We come to Him for a cease, a pause, a moment to reflect on His perspective on our lives, on our struggle. We come to bring to Him our struggle, to find relief, to strengthen our faith, to be encouraged. So we can go on. Now, that's what Jesus is talking about here. That might be what you need today more than anything else. You need to come to Jesus and find relief from the strain of your struggles. Find freedom from the burdens that you bear and that you carry. We're going to walk through this passage for just a moment. And we're going to consider three reasons that we find relief and freedom from the strain of our struggles when we come to Christ. Because Christ and Christ alone can set you free from those struggles. Christ and Christ alone can set you free from those struggles. Jesus and Jesus alone walks with you through this life. He is your, your Sabbath. He is your rest. He is your pause in the, in, in the struggles of the day and of the week and even of the month. You bring those struggles to Him and you find rest. You find rest. So we're going to consider three reasons that we can come to Jesus and, then, and, and find freedom from the struggles that we carry. The first reason is because when we come to Jesus, we come to a person. Not to a religion, not to a self-help book, not to a motivational speaker, not even to a TED talk. When you come to Jesus, you come to a person. And that's the contrast he is drawing in this whole conversation. If you go to religion, that doesn't really change anything. If anything, it burdens you even more, he tells the crowd. If you want to find rest for your souls, come to me. Come to me. Uh, the implication clearly is that it's a choice. It's a decision that you make, a decision to believe that you can trust him, believe in faith, and come to him, the person of Jesus Christ. And when he says it, we, we understand he is saying it as God in human flesh. That you would come to him. Your God. And we do that even today. When we come and bow to Jesus, we come and bow to our God. We sang about Him a little while ago. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Christ was God the Son in human flesh. Christ is alive from the grave today. And He, the Father, and the Holy Spirit receive you when you come to Him. Come to me. Jesus, our God, says. It's a decision that you make. But you hear in his words, he's ready to receive you. When you decide to come to him with your burdens, your cares, your sins, your confessions, you come to him and he is ready to receive you. Now the people he was talking to of the day had heard all their lives about religion and they understood that and they had heard all their lives that God was not pleased with them, that the only way for God to accept them was for them to be completely religious, for them to work hard at their religion, keep all the law, which they knew they could not do. But that was the only way God would accept them and be pleased with them. So to them, the character of God was that God was uh, distant. Now, now, he was loving, but they didn't really know about that love. What they knew about was that he was distant. And in order to please him and experience anything like a relationship with him, they had to follow the law. They had to be more religious than the next person. And they knew how frustrating that was. The sad reality is when your whole 
uh, perspective of God is based on religion. You know what you do? After a while, you kind of quit trying. You become frustrated. You decide you're not good enough. You just kind of quit trying. And maybe your whole perspective on Jesus is reduced to church going. I'll just go to church once a week. and That's about all I can do anyway. And maybe one day, someday, God will like me. So they wondered about the character of God. So Jesus answered that question. He said, I am lowly and humble. Could be translated humble and meek, lowly and meek. He said, this is your God standing before you, ready to receive you. Come to me. I'm not distant. I'm not out there somewhere. I'm right here. Come to me, he said. Come to me. The first reason that we have freedom from the strain of our struggles and the burden of life is because we come to a person. Not, not more religion, not more self-help books. Jesus. And that might be the first step you've never taken. Maybe you're a Christian, you know it, you trusted Christ as your Savior. From that point forward, you left this place or wherever you trusted Christ or you walked up out of the baptism waters. Maybe from that point forward, you've been trying to carry the burdens of your life on your own weighted down by the strain of your struggles. You know what Jesus says? Come to me. Bring it to me, Jesus says. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've been thinking, I'll wait till I'm good enough. I'll, I'll wait till I understand enough. I'll, I'll read more. I, or I don't need to do that at all. You know what Jesus says? Come to me. Right now, Jesus says, come to me. Trust Christ as your Savior. Be set free from the strain of your struggles in Christ. So the first reason we know that he sets us free from the burdens of this life is that when we come to Christ, we come to a person, not a religion. We come to a person. The second reason we know that he sets us free is that we come with our problems. Yeah, just tow them behind you. Just bring your mess with you when you come to Christ. Jesus picked out people in the crowd who would understand what he was saying. All you who are weary and burdened. That's who I'm talking to. The rest of you, you think you got it covered. Good for you. But those of you who realize you've got problems, you've got burdens you can't handle, strains that weigh you down, you're weary from this life. Jesus says, I'm talking to you. All of you who are weary and burdened. A core illustration Jesus is drawing from is the yoke. It was very common in the ancient world. In fact, there might have been some oxen going by yoked together even while Jesus was teaching, if not on this occasion, certainly on others. But everyone who heard the term yoke knew what he was talking about. We don't see this a whole lot in Shalot these days, so let me be sure we understand. Oxen and, and, and beasts of burden, but particularly oxen, would, would be bound together by a yoke on their necks. Now, when I say that, I know you've seen it in, in images and you've seen it in television and movies and and pictures of the day. So you get the idea. But it was such a common image of their day, it was easy for Jesus to draw on that. And that's the first thing he that's the first time he does it is right here. All of you who are weary and burdened. The oxen would get weary. They were yoked together and they were beasts of burden. And, and after a while they would just get tired. Tired of carrying the yoke, tired of carrying the weight and the burden for their master. They would be yoked together. 
And they would get weary and worn out. And then he draws attention to the burden itself. Sometimes the burden can be overwhelming. Sometimes the burden can be too heavy. Even the oxen would be overloaded sometimes. So here they were. They had this dual problem going on. They're yoked together. They're weighted down with a burden that's hard for them to carry. And that in turn wears them out. Sound familiar? So Jesus points at the crowd and he says, you guys know how that feels. How that feels. All of you that are weary and burdened, I'm talking to you. All of you that are suffering through the strain of your struggles, the burdens of life, and your soul is weighted down from it, I'm talking to you. You know who you are, Jesus says. So come to me, Jesus says, and I'll give you rest. Let's take a pause together. Let me lift those burdens, and I'll give you rest. When I was in college, uh, I would drive, when I would drive home from college to Winston-Salem, uh, my natural path would take me by my grandmother's house before I got to my house. And somewhere along the way, I, I started a routine of stopping at her house first, something that my mother had to get used to. And inevitably, there would be a phone call, is Bob there? But I would stop at my grandmother's house, and she would come to the door, and we would go in, around the table, and she would have oatmeal cookies and this drink she called juice, which was sweet tea with orange juice or pineapple juice in it. I'm not really sure why she called it juice. All of us knew it was sweet tea with pineapple juice in it. But I can still taste it. And I can still taste those homemade oatmeal cookies. And I can still remember sitting at that table, talking with my grandmother, eating cookies while she talked to me, before I got in my car and I went home. It was my pause, my cease, my rest. As I carried all the burdens I had at college, all the weight, that everything, all the pressure to perform, I carried all that home with me and then I, I pulled in and I ate cookies and I got refreshed and I paused and I went on. Jesus says, come to me. You know who you are. You're weary, you're burdened. Life is just too much right now. Why are you trying to carry that on your own? You need a pause. You need a cease. You need to remember who God is. And you need to bring that to Him. If you wait until you solve all your problems before you come to Him, you'll never come to Him. You know why? Because you're going to have another problem tomorrow, the next day. If you wait until you solve all your burdens and cares, you're never going to come. Because you're going to have more burdens and more cares. If you wait until the world is perfect, ah, that's not going to happen. So don't wait. He calls you now. Come to me. You know who you are. Come with your problems. So we come to a person. We come with our problems. And then we come for a purpose. We come for a purpose. I will give you rest, Jesus said, just like that. I will give you rest. Uh, the purpose is clarity. The purpose is perspective. The purpose is coming to our God and remembering who he is and that he has set us free from the strain of our struggles and the burdens of this life. It gives us perspective. It gives us purpose. As you probably well know, tonight's Super Bowl, uh, there are several players who are outspoken Christians that will be on the field tonight. Uh, Several among them, including both quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, has talked 
readily about his faith in God. And recently in an interview, actually just last Monday, Mahomes said, my Christian faith plays a role in everything I do. I mean, I always ask God to lead me in the right direction and let me be who I am, listen to this, for his name. So my Christian faith has a role in everything that I do. Obviously, it will be on a huge stage in the Super Bowl, and, and he's given me that, and I want to make sure I'm glorifying him while I do it. I know that I'm here for a reason, to glorify him. That means everything, not only about my football career, but all the decisions that I've made. I have a faith backing, and I know why I am here. It's not about winning football games. It's about glorifying him. I think it gives me that... I think it gives me that I have no pressure when I step out on that football field. I know why I am here. What a perspective. I know why I'm here. Can you say that too? I know my purpose. I know I'm here to serve God. When, when you and I insist on taking the burdens on ourselves, we're running around the field saying, I'm number one. I'm number one, God. I'll let you know if I need you. I'm number one. But when we come to rest in him, we acknowledge it's about him. And I am here for his purpose. So we find rest for our souls. We find the burden relieved when we come to him for a purpose. Jesus, once again, envisions that image of the yoke. And he says to the crowd, he says, there's a difference between the yoke of religion and my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now that's a little surprising. We would think that he would say, come to me and you will have no yoke. Come to me and you'll be set free to do whatever you want to do. But see, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that, that we are set free in Christ so we can serve Christ. Because we're always going to serve somebody. You're either serving sin and self. Even when you claim to be religious, you're serving sin and self. Or you are set free in Christ to serve Christ. To serve your Creator. To follow Christ. Jesus as a carpenter no doubt made Oh, wow, how many, over 30 years, hundreds of yokes for local farmers. He, he knew how to measure them. He knew how to make those yokes fit for those oxen and those livestock. And so he also knew what a misfitting or ill-fitting yoke would do. And every farmer knew that as well. But the problem was a lot of times a farmer would just grab whatever yoke was available, pull the team in, and put that yoke on them, even if it didn't fit one of the oxen quite right or the team quite right. And it would add to the burden of the team. It would make it more difficult for that, that team, those livestock, to do their job and to do what they were designed to do because they were wearing an ill-fitting yoke. It was uncomfortable, sometimes even painful, and created more of a burden and weariness for the livestock. That's religion. That's what religion does, Jesus says. Religion is an ill-fitting perspective of God that just wears you out. If that's what you've strapped on, if that's the burden you carry, you're trying to please God, you're trying to make Him happy by doing religious things, you will always be burdened by that. You'll be worn out even more. So He says, come to me. My burden is easy. My yoke is easy. It fits just right. He's talking about being his disciple, following Christ, yielding your life to Christ, suddenly finding out who you were meant to be, who God called you to be. 
Suddenly living the life that God designed you for. The burden is lifted. And occasionally the weight of the world will still trickle down onto your shoulders. You'll still have those burdens in life. But you have now learned who God has designed you to be. Now you come to Christ with your burdens, your cares, your concerns. Now you know who God designed you to be. And when every time along the way you are weighted down, you push that pause button, you answer his call to come to me, and you find rest for your weary, burdened soul. Not because you're religious, but because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. His yoke is easy. It was designed for you. It's comfortable in the ways of God. When my brothers and I were kids, we had paper routes. Any of you guys ever had paper routes when you were, when you were kids growing up? You might have one now. Good for you. God bless you. Uh, we didn't do the version where you drive up and hurl a newspaper from a car. We didn't do that. Uh, we actually had paper routes. By the time I was in college and my brothers were older, my middle brother and I were uh, working together on three different subdivisions. And we had to walk those. Uh, and not only did we, we walk them, back in those days, the Winston-Salem paper was the journal and the sentinel, morning and evening. I heard a wow. God bless you for that. Well, when I went into my sophomore year of college, my brother had moved on, and we were going. And he said, "Hey, we're just we're just going to resign from the from the routes. We don't need it anymore." I said, "No, wait a minute." I said, "I need a summer job this year. I'll just do it one more time. Let's do it through the summer." So I said, "I'll do it by myself this summer," because you know that was a good idea. So that summer, in the summer heat, I would load up every morning at four a.m. and and do the morning route, and I had to be back on task at four p.m to do the evening route, six days a week, and then Sunday morning, 4 a.m. again. My brother said there is there's one thing to know about this route, and it'll be a little bit helpful. When you're in the what would actually be the, the second subdivision, there's a house. And in that house is a senior adult lady that lives alone, and she wants us to put the paper on her porch. Don't, don't stand on the street and swing it. Walk up. Put the paper on her porch. That's what she wants you to do. I said, okay. And he said, for an incentive, she'll put a little glass of ice water, a little jar of ice water with a lid on it, sitting on the porch for you to take a break in the afternoon. I said, okay. That sounded good to me. So that summer, I started delivering papers and and morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening. And, and, and she just got the evening paper. So it would be the afternoon I would arrive at her house. And, and the first few times I thought, oh, yes, yes, I'm supposed to put it on the porch. And I put it on the porch and I kind of forgot about the, the water and I'd go on. I put it on the porch and I'd go on. And along about day three, four, five, I said, look at that water. She had it in a little glass jar with ice cubes and it was sitting on a napkin on the porch. So I'd walk up there and I'd, I'd put the paper on the porch and I sat down on her porch and enjoyed that cold water, that rest, that break. Took off the newspapers, let them settle down a minute, regroup, get refreshed, get ready to go on. 
Jesus says, come to me. Don't carry the strain of your struggles by yourself. You need a pause. You need to rest. You need to unload on your Savior. If you're in this room this morning or at home, and you've got those burdens, you know you're trying to carry them yourself. You don't need to read another book. Books are good. That's not what you need. You don't need more religion in your life. You need Jesus. You need to come to him, bow to him, say, you are my God. I'm going to give you these burdens and these cares. In another place, the Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord. And then tells us why. Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. Maybe today is the day you just need to pause and be refreshed. Take all the burdens for a minute, give them to Jesus, and be reminded of who he is and of who you are in Christ. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand with me. Go ahead and stand. Then I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You can be praying where you are. But we're going to do something a little bit different this morning before we open up to everyone responding. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The music's playing quietly. I'm going to ask you this. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you if you know (laughs) Jesus was talking to me. Yeah, I'm the weary and I'm the burdened. I'm the one in the crowd that I need to pause and hand this off to him. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar because I want to pray for you. Do it right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody else looking around. You'd be praying where you are, but if God has put it on your heart, you come now. Come to the altar. Kneel right here. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. You come now. Don't wait. Be praying where you are, but if God has it on your heart, you know it's you. You know Jesus was talking to you. You're weary. You're burdened. It's time to bring it to him. You come now. You come now. Answer his call. Come to me. You come now. Don't wait. Somebody's in your way. You just push along. They'll move. You come now. Everyone else, heads bowed, eyes closed. You'll be praying where you are. I'm going to pray for you too. But I invite you to the altar. Show the Lord you want to unburden yourself to him today. Our Heavenly Father, we pause in this moment, God asking your forgiveness, Father, for trying to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, for trying to handle the strain of our struggles all by ourselves, for forgetting, God, that you have set us free from all of that in Christ. God, for these at the altar this morning, and for those in our midst with their heads bowed, those at home, God, who acknowledge this as well, Father, we are the weary, we are the burdened. We are the ones who come to you today and to unburden ourselves to you. So God, I pray right now, you would lift those burdens from the weariness of our souls. God, you would refresh us. You would strengthen us. You would revive us right now. God, how I pray for each one at the altar, each one in this room and at home. I pray for all of us, Father, that we would cast our cares on you. We would remember you love us. You care for us. You called us to you just as we are. We don't have to be perfect. We just come with our problems and with our burdens and our cares. So God, whatever those cares are, Father, you know what they are. And I pray, God, for us. I pray for healing and for help for the sick. I pray, God, you'd mend our broken hearts. I pray you give us guidance in our decisions. God, where we are confused and need wisdom, God, I pray you would 
clarify, give us perspective, give us wisdom. I pray for our families, for our children. I pray for parents that carry that weight, that burden, God, of trying to shepherd those kids at whatever age they are. I pray for them as well. I pray for all of us, Father, and we, we give our burdens to you this morning, God. Uh, not just symbolically, but actually, God, we give our burdens to you, our cares to you, and we rise up from the altar, Father, acknowledging we have passed those off to you. We do that in faith, God, because we believe you, we trust you. We know your character. We know you will receive these burdens, God. We know you will answer our prayers in keeping with your will. So for each one here, God, and for all of us in this room, I pray, Father, you would relieve us of those burdens, God. Remind us again, your will is perfect, and whatever we're traveling through, whatever's going on in the journey of our lives, God, we give that to you. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.